Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. Thank you. Back in the nice saddle. To, <laughs> ready, ready to go. Uh, I have a surprise. You're not surprised because you keep up. But I was surprised when I read this thing about Ferguson. I thought, well, it'll be the same old stuff again. As you recall, and as many of our viewers will recall, Ferguson... Uh, was a cause of a lot of grief, yeah. a lot of grief, because he was the one that uh, sort of got the attention and came up with statistics that the world was virtually going to end due to this virus that was coming and it would kill people, was deadly. It was a serious problem, but he overstated it, and that is when we became suspicious of why this virus was getting so much attention, and it's a mixed bag. Some people are truly worried about the health of the country. They're worried about their family. Some people are worried about selling vaccines, and, yeah. and uh, some people were worried about public health and all. But he came out. But his statistics were wrong, and his predictions were wrong. Totally. And yet, I imagine the first six months, or even longer, was based on the fear-mongering that he was doing. Oh, yeah. So I, was, so I was surprised to see this. And uh, I guess we could, uh, uh, in, a, in a way, say this is, this is good news. Yeah. You know, the, the truth is coming out. And this is uh, Zero Hedge covered it. And uh, yes, he, he, uh, Ferguson admits it. Top health expert admits dire COVID-19 predictions were, quote, off for UK. Yeah. So he he was doing that, and uh, and I I can't believe he he was that poor of a statistician. Uh -huh. <laughs> so anyway, he he's admitting this now, and I think I think this is just great. But will it make will it, it, the people who are already skeptical? This will feed into their skepticism. But I don't think the hardcore, uh, I don't think if all of a sudden Fauci is going to uh, ad admit, yeah, I made a mistake too. He, he at times has to because he said so many different things. And they, he contradicts himself. We, we don't have to have official apology. But uh, no, we don't have an apology from Ferguson. But this is very important that uh, along the way there's been a lot of misinformations and it's real hard to judge motives that's that's the problem because we we can look at it and i look at it, oh boy you have to have a really evil motive to do these kind of things and scare the people and uh, give a lot of shots out uh, that uh, now there a lot of people are questioning yeah. but uh it's it, it's something that uh, pe people should i think just just questioning things and that's what science is supposed to be all about question things is this the best thing what's the pros and the cons but the unfortunate victim of this uh, uh, of this past year and a half has been the willingness to at least discuss and uh, uh, something that is scientific. Science has settled it; it's over. If you don't listen to our interpretation of science, you are going to be considered guilty and really literally guilty and suffer the consequences. And a lot of people have suffered the consequences because they haven't gone along with all the invasion of privacy and the, uh, and, and the lockdowns that have been very damaging to a lot of people. Well, you know, the whole, <clears throat> the whole system of global lockdowns were based on models that Ferguson produced uh, in his lab, in, you know, with his computers, the models were proven to be wildly false, but they were done very early in the, in the virus's life. 
where people didn't have a lot of info when he predicted millions and millions dead uh, if you don't follow what I say and maybe only a few million if you do follow what I say. So of course all the governments ran and dashed to follow what he said about lockdowns, about social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now when we look at it, we talk about this a lot, about how the lockdowns will probably end up being more deadly than the virus itself when you look at suicides and drug deaths, etc. Literally, someone like this has blood on his hands. I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. But instead of shrinking off, and you remember also, he locked everyone else down. He's one number one hypocrite. He locked everyone else down, and he snuck out at night to, to be cheating on his wife with some other lady. So anyway, that's okay. But then he came back. The UK had Freedom Day a few weeks ago. And he was scaremongering up to that Freedom Day. If you do this, if you dare to relax anything, we're going to see 200,000 deaths a day in the UK. We can actually put up that first clip while I'm saying this. 200,000 deaths a day if you dare tell people they can take their masks off. We can put that first uh, clip up, please. Uh, 200,000 a day. Here he is. Uh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. Uh, well, they didn't listen to him for once. And here, let's look at the next clip. Here's where we are right now in the UK. Rather than 200,000 a day, we're at a little over 25,000 a day. And we're not saying that uh, it's all fine and dandy that people are getting sick, but we're saying these massively exaggerated, fear-mongering warnings and panicking the population, they really don't serve very much effect. And really, if he had any decency, he would just kind of slink off somewhere yeah. and leave us alone. You know, even on this Delta, they were, we were supposed to all of a sudden have 100,000 cases. Now they're admitting that it looks like they could have 30. But, you know, it, those numbers even, I think, miss the point. Because when you talk about the accuracy of the uh, tests, there's a question about it. It's not an easy test. It, it's not like I used to think more simplistic about if you are worried about somebody having a particular infection, a kidney infection or a throat infection, you cultured it. Yeah. Of course, that was different. I mean, it was bacteria, but you would have a precise diagnosis. That doesn't happen. They're so far removed from that. They're dealing with a virus and, 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 and some people, now they're just making a judgment and a diagnosis by the reported symptoms, which really puts it out of the area of accuracy. Yeah. It puts it out of the area of science. It's a, a lot of subjectivity. And uh, I think uh, for most people, there's a very strong psychosomatic element of all our illnesses. So if, if we have if we have a pain and we're, it looks like we're going to get appendicitis, you know, you might be much sicker if you think you have a cancer. Yeah. And, and that's the way, and that is not just a few people. Everybody has these type of reactions. I think it was worse than ever with what's going on here. Now, there's people, if you can get a cold, yeah. you might think, wow, I'm coming down with this. Yeah. And they might that's be included cute. in the statistics, yeah. too, about how bad it was and because of cold and allergies and all this. Have these. Well, if you have a cold and runny nose and you're coughing, you better get your test, you yeah. know, and, and find out what's going on. Yeah, and the test centers are now ramped back up. You can see people waiting to get tests. That's why you're getting more cases. <laughs> you're seeing more tests and more masks. But there's another thing that's buried in this article, and it was in the Epic Times. Uh, but... You know, at first, in a first read, it's really good news because I like what he has to say about this. But then again, when you think about how inaccurate it is, he may actually be bad news because he says he doesn't think there's going to be any more lockdowns necessary. Of course, they were never necessary, but <laughs> no more social distancing necessary. And he said, I think it's going to be a transition quite quickly in a few months to be more something we can live with and manage through vaccination. We'll talk about some questions about that. 
rather than crisis measures. I wouldn't rule it out altogether, but it's unlikely we'll need new distancing and lockdown, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully they'll listen to him on that part, but hopefully with this track record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not an apology. It is not a surrender, yeah. and uh, they they will have to come up with with something to keep people afraid. And there, we've already been warned by Fauci that when the new uh, uh, new regulations come out uh, and new tests, uh, expect uh, more lockdown type of things that are going on. But the people are waking up, and they're more resistant. They're not going to roll over quite like they did. So that, as far as I'm concerned, is good news, and uh, that's what we have to encourage because that will make a difference. Yeah, people will have to resist. We're seeing millions of people in Europe protesting against vaccine passports. That's encouraging. Sadly, in the U.S., as we see creeping vaccine passports in an even more insidious way because the government is, is forcing corporations to enforce them, we're not seeing really that much. So I hope you're right with your enthusiasm. <laughs> but... We want to talk about, I think, this next segment. This is called We're Scratching Our Heads segment because a lot of stuff is coming out that seems contradictory. Um, I don't understand it, uh, and I know probably a lot of other people don't understand it, but if we can put up this next clip. This is Fauci. He's back on TV, and now he's saying, okay, well, you know, we said that those two shots are going to be just fine. You're never going to have any problems. Well, that didn't work out too good. So he says now, Fauci says, COVID boosters should go soon to the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable people that have been vaccinated already, now they've had their two, they need to get more shots. I don't know, what do you think about that, Dr. Paul? Well, it's not gonna accomplish anything. It's just more confusion. And, uh, and it, you, you wonder whether they make it confusing deliberately to, uh, uh, to confuse the people and keep them off balance and then end up with something that is a fear-mongering comment and then uh, the people have to go along with it. That certainly was the case early on. But I, I think there's a, a challenge more t to this. But uh, the, the, it's, it's back to this whole thing about the, the symptoms that, uh, that you can have. And if they make the diagnosis from those symptoms, uh, then there's not going to be nothing but chaos. And uh, th this, to me, is uh, something that is, is at times very unscientific. Yeah. You know, because, well, when the politicians practice medicine, that in itself has to be unscientific, and they're they're involved in it, you know, uh, very much in in medical care, you know, and all this social distancing and and what public health is all about. Well, maybe if each and every one of us took care of our health, that might contribute something to public health. But boy, what they mean about public health is just an excuse to have an authoritarian system, and only the elite will really be able to practice medicine that they think they should. Yeah. Well, you said something, you've said it a couple times, but you said it, I'm sure, last week, something that, that I've always been thinking about, and you were concerned about people who really weren't in great shape getting yet more shots, more vaccines. And this is what Fauci said. This is from Bloomberg. Fauci said most people who have compromised immune systems, including those with organ transplants who are on chemotherapy, quote, never did get an accurate, uh, adequate response from the vaccination. That's why they need to have more. I just wondered, is that a little dangerous? Well, I, I think it is, but I don't have the statistics here, but just common sense should tell us that. But if uh, we do know that people have complications from vaccines, that's, that's almost any vaccines potentially can you know, do, do harm. So what, uh, what, what, they say, what they say is we must get the vaccinations to the vulnerable immediately and fast and get to the nursing home. And you know, in a way that sounds right, but 
in the same sense, if you rush it to the people to have these and, and the vaccine isn't quite as necessary as they're claiming, and then they give it to the people who are more vulnerable, they might not be able to handle the vaccine as, as well as the healthy person that doesn't need the vaccine. But I think it's the uh, misunderstanding or lack of understanding of, of this vaccine that is our, our biggest problem because, uh, you, you know, statistically, all, all kind of weird things here. How about this Israel thing? Yeah, I, I was going to just do one thing with oh, Zelensky because yeah, okay. I had a couple of clips on it. I'm sorry, putting the clips together, it was really tricky this morning. But here's another thing that we scratch our head about, Dr. Paul, because that's the big question. Are the vaccines as great as they say? If so, then why so many breakthroughs? Or are they really not very good? And if that's the case, then why lockdowns? Why vaccine passports? Why new mask orders? So we are genuinely confused. We don't pretend we have the answers. So we turn to the experts, Rochelle Walensky. Let's put the next uh, clip on. She was on CNN. She was talking to Wolf Blitzer and she made an unbelievable announcement. She said COVID-19 vaccines no longer prevent transmissions. Well, if that's the case, then there's absolutely no rationale for vaccine passports. And in fact, don't take my word for it. If we can, this might be tricky, but let's listen to the clip from CNN of her telling this exact thing to Wolf Blitzer. It's gonna be a little tricky to get queued up here, uh, but hopefully we can get the video of her. Here we go, Let's see if this works. Mild illness, they are staying out of the hospital. They are not dying. And I think that that's the most important thing to understand. We have a massive number of people who are vaccinated and, and um, those breakthrough infections tend to be mild and not severe. But what about uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection? Can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions? And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death, they prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody. So what she said is our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death, they prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So why do we have vaccine passports? The whole purpose is you can't go into a restaurant without proving you've got vaccinated. But if you don't, if, but if the vaccine doesn't prevent you from transmitting it anyway, then it, I mean, I am literally honestly confused. Well, uh, I think they want all of us to be confused, but our job is to do our best to help sort us out, and that is not easy. But uh, the one thing is the bottom line for so much of this is uh, an explanation on why the people should be scared and take the vaccine. You know, and they and they uh, come up with all kinds of excuses, even when you show uh, that it's not doing that much. And then the second thing is, is why why do they want us to take? Why are they so determined? And I think it's the passport thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think that passport thing with a businessman cooperating with the government, it's a form of fascism that is so dangerous. And, uh, and just even, even if it works smoothly for a while, that's t terrible because that means they'll just keep doing keep it. Doing Every it. place you go, well, people will get... Oh, just turn, you know, uh, show you have your vaccine. And if someday now, right now, they say, how are you going to prove they have it or not? Yeah, because there, you, you know, there's counterfeit vaccines and and, and certificates and all that. So they, it'll get more uh, obsessed with the type of vaccine passport we have. 
But um, we mentioned this the other day, but uh, I think, once again, this tells us why people should be, uh, you know, if they're, if they're questioning this, why they shouldn't feel guilty and they shouldn't feel like they're really steeping, uh, stepping off the deep end. Uh, this again, this was on Lou's site the other day. Three quarters of the new COVID cases are in vaccinated people. Yeah. The CDC. Yeah, that's the Massachusetts yeah, case. Yeah, we, we mentioned that the other day. But here's one that has some uh, from Israel, I think. And it says uh, they found that 95% of the severe patients have already been vaccinated. So yeah. they got, they're the severe ones. And uh, yeah, they might say, well, uh, on some, they, it wasn't quite severe, but it, they're looking at just the ones that were severe and they, 95% had been uh, uh, vaccinated. And then um, on the hospitalization, 85 to 90% of hospitalizations are in fully vaccinated people. We are, and, and, and the hospitals are filling up. Yeah. And then you wonder, well, where is it all coming from? We're not seeing that more people are dying from this. Not that that should be the ultimate test, but uh, it, it's uh, statistically, the CDC cannot prove uh, that it's been so beneficial and we have to do it. And when they say we're not quite there yet and we need more vac- vaccinations, uh, we should ask them more questions, and that's where the difficulty comes because not a lot of people, because, you know, you can get into trouble. Even doctors get in trouble and lose their jobs because yeah. they ask questions which we were trained to ask, yeah. you, you know, and find out what's going on. But, but yeah. people, you, you know, and we will be talking with them <laughs> even at our conference, some of the doctors that literally get into trouble and lose a job because they've taken a position that doesn't fit not the medical profession but you know the political profession and uh, that that to me is, is, a, is a big problem uh, I don't think the uh, medical profession or science will ever be absolute everybody's going to agree it, it, it was the whole thing in a free society it's designed that nobody has this force by the authoritarians to accomplish something because that's when it goes goes haywire it's done for the wrong reason like we've indicated and a lot of people believe it it has a lot to do with selling vaccines but that is not the whole case there's other people who know i just want to stay healthy and i trust what my doctor told me and and this sort of thing so it's it's a sad story but the evidence is there that the vaccinations have not been super successful i mean uh, i think uh, when you when you talked about polio and some other things i think the numbers were much better well i think if what she says is true and i think that's still debatable we don't know but if the shots they're giving people prevent severe illness but we also have to remember that it's not one one size fits all right young people don't get illness so if a young person gets a shot and doesn't get ill you cannot credit the vaccine necessarily right but even if all that is true and what she says is true it still means that you cannot morally or legally justify vaccine passports because the only moral and legal justification for it is that if you don't get this shot you're going to pass it to someone else who's going to get sick but what she's saying is the shot is not preventing it from being passed to other people. So how can you have a moral or legal justification for requiring the vaccine? Well, well, you can't. And uh, that's why they're, they're stymied. And, and they come up with this contradiction. That's essentially what we're talking about, the contradiction. And all those, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the statistics don't verify, you know, uh, exactly who got better and who didn't. And I think it started with... Uh, 
you, you know, the test for uh, COVID at the very beginning. Yeah. And it was trusted. I bet it was six months before somebody said, oh, you know, we're not running this test right. And then they had a quote from uh, who participated in designing this yeah. test. It said, you can make this test say anything you want. Yeah. And uh, so the politicians got control of it. I don't know if we can skip forward a few clips to the Israel clip. I'm, I'm not sure how many it is. And if don't worry if we can't. But the Israel issue isn't is an important issue. And you could argue because Israel is heavily vaccinated. You can say, well, of course, you're going to see a high percentage of uh, in those people who have COVID of them being already vaccinated because it's a highly vaccinated country. But the second question will be, well, hang on. Why are they getting it in the first place if the vaccines prevent it? Maybe there are a few breakthroughs, but they're talking about a huge percentage of people uh, getting it that have already been vaccinated. And, and even in the U.S., Dr. Paul, talk about in July, that's when the Delta spike is hitting around the country. We're seeing a lot of it. Um, but we're also a country that's fundamentally different in their terms from July 2020. We have probably 100 million or so that have natural immunity because they've gotten the disease and gotten over it. And we have now, we're told, 70% of the country is at least have one vaccination shot. So if you have that much, many people with supposed immunity, how were we getting a spike as big, if not bigger, in July of this year than we had of July of last year when nobody had a shot? You know, you use the word that they detest. That's natural. You know, uh, what, what if you had a natural prevention? That means, uh, and some people who follow certain rules, their diets and taking vitamin D and vitamin C and exercising and all this, uh, they might statistically be much, much better off. And uh, they um, they don't uh, take that into consideration because I'm using natural immunity, you yeah. know. Oh, oh, that, that's not, that's good. They, they, they can't stand it because you're competing with abnormal and not natural immunity with they want vaccinated uh, immunity and uh, and then if you are following good health habits which is giving you natural immunity I have a question my mind is well if you take the vaccine is it all of a sudden are they going to be friends in there you know you're the vaccine against the natural thing (laughs) maybe maybe one cancels the other I mean maybe you don't just pile on to that but they wouldn't have a very easy way of testing that other than the results, and uh, yeah, like you say about the kids, uh, how can you use them as a measurement? Because most of them are going to do just fine, yeah. you know. And that's probably why they usually take years and years and years to, you know, pass these things. Yeah. But let's do a couple more confusions before we move on to the next topic. If we can put on that next clip, this is something that was in the Hill, so a mainstream source. If we can find that next uh, JPEG and put it up. I don't know if we have that. There we go. And this is interesting because if you think of it, this is another one where you scratch your head. The Delta variant of COVID-19 can have symptoms that are more mild and typically not associated with the virus that some may mistake the illness as allergies or just another common sickness. Oh, they couldn't fool the doctors, could they? <laughs> no, that, that is absolutely it's, you bizarre. Scratch your head. So, well, symptoms... Symptoms are interesting because uh, there's always a subjective element in it. And if you practice medicine and didn't recognize the subjectivity, no matter whether you have a serious infection, there, is, there will be symptoms and even physiologic changes due to the anxiety level that, that yeah, exists. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so, so important. And I think when medicine becomes um, stereotype where it's... Uh, 
statistical and it's bureaucrats that uh, I think we lose a lot in medicine. That's why I've talked so much about, see, I was, I was a strong believer that a doctor-patient relationship is very important for a couple reasons. And one is you can get to the bottom of the matter, but, but, but also uh, there's an element that needs treated yeah. with uh, reassurance, you know, and uh, well, anyway, that's probably old fashioned. Well, that's interesting though. You talk about anxiety and how anxiety can fuel more illness and you know we've it's been recognized and in fact people say that obesity and anxiety are two big factors comorbidities but speaking of that we know they're ramping up the anxiety level to 11 or 12 or 13 now people are putting the masks on they're panicking over 24 7 coverage of delta but let's look at this next clip because this is going back to planet reality and of course with the caveat this could change we don't know but daily deaths in america yesterday are 129 so to me, at least at this point, and of course, they're a trailing indicator, not a leading indicator. However, we're seeing deaths at 129. Dr. Paul, 8,000 people on average die every day in the U.S. of all causes. So let's put this in proportion. It looks like maybe uh, some of these other problems we have should strive to do as well as, <laughs> as the COVID virus is or reduce the danger to that level. But uh, no, that, that's amazing. It's impressive. I don't know how they can argue with that. They do. They do. Yeah. But, it, but what's neat is they give us the information. Yeah. And, and yet they give the information, they produce it, and they take the information and they use it. So when you get a guy like Ferguson who produces all this information and comes up with a different conclusion, it's, yeah. it's interesting. But um, like I said many times, and you agree that... Uh, we, we sense a shift in attitudes, and uh, it's slow and tedious. You can scare people uh, into submission much faster than you can get people to all of a sudden see the light. Yeah. In anything you talk about, whether it's pure economics or medicine, that uh, it takes time for people to get their reassurance back. I remember what you said early on, something about how uh, people go insane in, uh, in groups, but they come back, back one at a time. time. <laughs> well, speaking of... Uh, of uh, what we're talking about scaremongering. Let's look at the next clip because this is another country we talk about a lot. This is Sweden that had no mask mandates, had no vaccination mandates, uh, had no social distancing enforced on people. Their average deaths over the past seven days are zero. So we need to keep that in perspective. Well, they better get that down. Yeah, get that down. <laughs> Exactly. So let's look at the next couple of clips really quick. And I don't know if you want to talk about this one or if we just want to put it up because we're, we're, we've got a lot of stuff here. But this is that uh, being double vaccinated gives 50 to 60 percent protection from the Delta variant. This is a UK study we found. And, and that's not super reassuring because that's supposed to be 100 percent or 90 percent or something. But, but we have a lot of statistics. Uh, the interpretation, it seems like people, I've lost confidence in it. Oh, if they just have a few more cases, I'll have more information and make a decision what to do. But uh, no, I, I just think that uh, they're not going to get it. By now, they should have known a lot more. Yeah. And uh, just this whole idea of... Uh, Going, I, I never dreamed that we'd be talking about, you know, the third vaccination, yeah. you know, uh, and they keep measuring and measuring and, and they, um, the measurements aren't reliable. So, yeah. but uh, they keep doing it over and over again. And, uh, and, and but there's not, not much talk and you're not allowed to is the reason. Talk that there have been some serious complications. Yeah. Because it's the percentage, the percentage is pretty low where you would say the reaction has been 100% due to having received the vaccine. Uh, 
there's uh, they would uh, you, you know put that aside and they wouldn't accept that but uh, I happen to believe that some of those cases that we read about are real and very dangerous and people have lost their lives that doesn't mean that uh, that's a uh, that, that that means that uh, the deaths from the virus isn't a serious problem yeah, either yeah, it's yeah. just that the treatment would be different yeah well, it's funny you mentioned the third shot, so if we can skip the next clip and go to the Times of Israel article, because the Israelis are already trying to give people the third shots, because they're seeing, and they've talked about this waning effectiveness of the vaccine. And this is, uh, skip that one actually, because we, we already covered that one. This is from Times of Israel. 14 Israelis who got the third shot have been later infected with COVID. Uh, they say limited data does not, is not enough to draw conclusions on the booster's effectiveness. Uh, and then let's go to the next one if we can. Uh, that next clip is just the same article if we can put, I think Alex Berenson put this up. 14 Israelis have been diagnosed with COVID-19 despite having been inoculated with a third dose. And the reason they're giving the third dose is, is that the original dose uh, seems to be wearing off after just a couple of months. Yeah, and, and the, to, to measure that once again, is the, is the chemical test going to be uh, the last word or will it be the symptoms? And, and they already admit some people have symptoms. It sounds like allergies or a cold. Yeah. And, and they're, they're going to be put down, though, with, with a certain disease. They're going to get marked down. It's sort of like have people died with, uh, with COVID or, uh, or from COVID. Yeah. And I think the statistics aren't very reliable. Well, let's move on to our last segment, which yeah, is okay. hypocrites do as I say, not as I do. And let's do that next uh, clip. I'm going to put up really quick and then I'm going to kick it back to you for Obama. Let's, let's put up this next one. This is, uh, I'm sorry, that, uh, let's go to forward one. We won't talk about this one. We're getting short on time. Atlantic Magazine owner publishes an article, Unvaccinated People Should Not Fly. And this is the widow of Steve Jobs, who's a billionaire herself. She owns the Atlantic Magazine. People, if you're not vaccinated, you should not fly. Yet, for her, it's not a big problem because she owns two private jets, right? Well, she, she should be allowed to own the jets, but she shouldn't be allowed to lie, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and fib and, and pretend that she's saving the world. Yeah. So what, what a shame. It's always <laughs> so, the elites. And here's the, put up the next picture, Dr. Paul. You can give us a little shot about what happened uh, over the weekend, something very exciting. Wait. We have that next clip. Yeah, there's our former well, president. Well, I have to admit, though, that uh, I, I have to have a disclaimer on here because I'm, uh, you, you, you know, my emotions are involved with because I'm a little hacked off. I didn't get invited. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I mean, wondering. We kept like, at the mail. Well, probably my kind of music and yeah, all that kind sure, of stuff. No Boy, I'll tell you. Uh, Zero Hedge reports with their headline, Watch. Obama dancing at the at maskless Martha Vineyard's birthday bash. Yeah. They didn't wear their mask. I wonder if they will be penalized. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what will happen about that. But once again, you know, they preach the gospel and then they don't do it themselves. And we have found in this program that it's one of the most positive things we can do, pointing this out as far as trying to persuade people. that. And there's been some statistical studies on that. Why did you sort of change your mind? It was when we found out that the greatest promoters of this, they don't do it themselves, yeah, you know. Themselves. And and that, that that is good. So we should continue to do uh, do this type of reporting, and and maybe our viewers have some interesting stories about the hip hypocrites. hypocrites. That there's probably more than we can handle, yeah. but they're out there. The thing is, we don't begrudge Obama his party. I hope he had a great time. But then don't turn around and tell the rest of us peons that we're not allowed to do anything. You know, and the people I'm sure who were invited, they assessed their risks. Some of them were vaccinated. Some of them probably weren't. 
and they said, okay, I'm going to go anyway. That's how it should be. He got it right. It's just that them hectoring the rest of us and telling us what to do and giving us mandates about everything in our lives. That's the real problem. Let's look at the next clip, because here's a perfect example of the elites telling us that we are basically just scum and they can do whatever they want. That next clip is uh, CNN guests suggest that Obama's birthday party was justified in spite of COVID because the attendees were sophisticated and vaccinated. So That's the reason I didn't get invited, I guess. <laughs> You're not yeah. sophisticated or vaccinated. Oh, well, see. I don't know if I vaccinated. It's not my business. But, uh. So, uh, <laughs> we about ready well, to go. Well, the final hypocrite one, sorry, I know it's going over, but this is one we cannot ignore. And let's look at the next one. Uh, this is John Kerry telling everyone else, don't even think about going outside with your car. You got to eat bugs. Don't do anything. The world's coming to an end. Uh, climate change, climate change. Well, he showed up at Obama's party, but he did not take the Greyhound bus. He did not take an electric car. No, he flew on his own private jet. The Washington Times reports a favorite target of climate activists. Private jets emit an estimated 40 times more carbon per passenger than commercial airlines. I think John Kerry should make a very, very large donation to the Ron Paul Institute to pay for his sins. He'll probably be calling us <laughs> as we get off our program. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and do, uh, do my closure yeah, here yeah, if you have yeah. anything. But uh, you mentioned something, Daniel, in, in one of your uh, statements about uh, who, who's taking the risk. How much, how much, why is somebody take the risk and we have to protect uh, them against it. And that's what a liberal thinks, that they're not doing this thing because they want to violate our freedoms. They would never dare think that they're doing this. But they, they, have, this, they have this good feeling that because they're elite, uh, the average person isn't capable of sorting out risk. How can they know about masks and, and all these kind of things? Well, they just might have a way of looking at the for football stadium and seeing all these people there, and uh, it went by, and if they, they never had a report and anybody got sick from attending the football game. They might have a pretty good assessment of that. But uh, th no, the question is, the elite believe, that, and many of them probably sincerely, that they're doing uh, their duty to take care of people because they have to have a safety net. We have to uh, make sure that uh, they're, they're taken care of and they have to be physically safe. And that's, uh, that's why we have to get the guns off the street so that they can't defend themselves. And if there is a policeman and there, and there are a lot of problems, the city's being burnt down, well, we'll get the police out of the city because we want the people to be safe. They, they turn it and they twist it around, but they really put it in terms that they want to make it safe for people and they take care of them and uh and they say well there's a lot of risk in that but there's a lot of i'll tell you what where the real risk is is if you depend on the government to provide your safety and security and uh that's that's what people should worry about taking a risk is risky and uh, people do it all the time kids do it from this age oh, up then yeah. and you know uh, i i now when i look at our grandchildren i know there was a time when i never worried about it but climbing trees and all that was natural but now i like you think he should be up that high? Who's doing it? You want to take prevent the risk? Well, the do-gooders who want to do this, we're going to prevent taking risk. But that's what freedom is all about, and that's what freedom of choice is about. That is what discrimination is all about. People make a discriminatory decision in every single thing they do, deciding what is safe and best for them. And sometimes what people think is best for them is considered, you know, a little shady. Why? Uh, why? Well, at this moment, I think I. 
person said, well, I feel like smoking cigarettes or something. And you say, well, it's a it's risk. If you want to do it, if you know about it, then uh, he makes the decision. Rather than prohibition, prohibition of alcohol didn't work. Prohibition of drugs certainly doesn't work. Compounds all our problems on the, on the uh, border. You know, they say nobody even considers it now because they think, uh, well, uh, you, you know, we, we can't add that problem, all these uh, drugs uh, coming in. But... Uh, uh, but they're not they're not buying and selling beer <laughs> on the border you know and they're not killing each other and they killed each other when uh, when during prohibition so the question I bring up is who should be in charge of making the decision about risk and safety and I say in a free society the individual does guided by their family their parents but not by politicians and uh, and, and not by unelected officials and uh, it should be through persuasion and uh, education to decide what, what is safe and what isn't safe and you say well you got to have these agencies to sort things out and make sure they're safe and uh, but so often the people who are providing the regulations to make an industry safe and secure are the ones who are in the industry and, and not an outside source that, that, that might do this. But I think that's one strong argument for defending uh, a free society is that uh, there's a greater chance of peace and prosperity and there's a greater chance that obviously you'll put responsibility on the individual. And if you're looking for a little self-satisfaction and, uh, and a notion that individuals are capable of doing things much better than the government, you know, it actually uh, makes a better day for you and that's what we hope we can do. And under these circumstances, I think that uh, we're moving in the right direction, but we still have a long way to go. And that, that challenge will exist, I think, as long as there are people on the earth, because there will always be these choices of right and wrong. And once people come to the conclusion that those problems will not be solved by an authoritarian government with the hypocrisy that they practice, uh, we'll tell you what to do to keep you safe, but we'll do what we want to do to enjoy our life because we're the elitists. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.